Welcome to the Indian Silicon Valley podcast. I'm your host Jivraj and on this podcast I speak with founders, investors and domain experts from the Indian Valley trying to understand the art of building a legendary company. In this episode I speak with Sumit Manyar, founder and CEO of Rupeek. Rupeek is India's fastest growing fintech company. disrupting the category of asset backed lending having started with gold and already gaining a large market share in the industry sumit so questioned the way we look at gold as an asset class in the country and started building with first principles in 2015 fast track to present day rupee has redefined the way indians look at gold and has built an organization that manifests excellence in all verticals be it technology operations supply chain consumer trust or product offerings i sit down with sumit to understand the guardrails of building a truly disruptive category creating company we dive deeper into aspects such as establishing consumer trust innovating in fintech building a full stack ecosystem led company expanding product suite on top of distribution creating an entrepreneurial culture founder evolution scalability and more to eventually grasp the gravity of rupeek's massive disruption and sumit's incredible scalability journey thus without further ado let's dive in to the 78th episode of the indian silicon valley podcast building india's fastest growing fintech company with sumit manyar of rupeek Thank you so much, Sumit, for joining me. I'm really delighted to be hosting you today. Thanks, Jivraj. Thanks for the invite. Looking forward to the conversation. Heard a great things about you. Let's get started. Thank you so much, Sumit. And I'm really excited for this one because I think Rupeek has done so many things differently, and it's created a category for itself in a somewhat traditional, conventional sort of a market spectrum, right? But before we go there, I'd love to gauge your attention and get some context in terms of how to identify unique problem sets. Because you're a person from IIT Bombay who spent time in banking and then started a gold lending startup, right? Tell us how that happens and how you found this unique problem in a large market, as you like to call it, and And what is the founding story like? I think that set us up beautifully well for the rest of the conversation. Absolutely. So um, you know, it uh, it typically starts with your uh, um, you know your your uh, experiences, your professional career, your personal upbringing. For me, it was more what I saw around uh, my family growing up, where uh, lending and borrowing was way of life. because i come from a trader community and uh, the magic of how capital works and how lending works was quite intriguing from the early days uh, what compounded this knowledge was uh, you know working in equity research firms uh, taking some you know courses on the sideline and covering stock market that sort of intrigued my interest but why, why is it that you know there are uh, people who are sitting with gold jewelry and paying such a high interest rate in the market and uh, i was looking at stocks such as muthoot manapuram and bunch of others which were doing phenomenally well so this kinds of uh, it starts as a very uh, i would say innocent innocuous question and then if you dig deeper you understand the root cause and uh, yeah if you're passionate enough you end up building something 
Absolutely. No, I love that. I think it starts with that day of uh, the question mark, as they call it, right? And you dive deeper and glad you did. And Rupik has now become such a dominant force. But as you were building it out in this very starting phases, when you build a category, there's so much uh, uncertainty, right? There's a lot of blank spaces that you have to yourself fill because traditionally gold loans were looked at, you know, in a very conventional way. They were conducted in a non-technical manner and you brought so much process to it. But eventually I'm sure you had to construct so many of the roadmaps as you built the company, right? Help us understand what those early days of building Rupeek were like. What were the early responses by consumers when we were radically trying to change consumer behavior as well from taking gold loans, becoming like a risk thing, something that's frowned upon to making it something that you could, you know, uh, radically do in a very, very advanced manner. What was that phase like? Again, I think, you know, you as a founder have to be naively optimistic that things will fall in place. And, and the power of starting up is that while you have negative surprises, you also run into positive surprises. It's actually the perseverance of the team initial team which works on the idea that how they actually capitalize on the positive surprises and sort of not get uh, derailed by the negative surprises. I think that's a that's a very generic overarching statement, but very true and powerful if implemented. For us, the simple question was that, you know, you have so much of gold holding in India. And if you look at the gold loan hold uh, book, annualized gold loan book in India is actually very, very small. It's, it's negligible. And why is that happening? If you really ask the question and talk to customers, you stand outside any uh, bank branch and uh, ask questions that any credit seeker might have that, why are you not considering gold loan? The typical answer she will get is that, you know, I'm not at the bottom of my life. This is not the Nadir which I've hit that I'm going to take this loan against collateral. You come from Northern India, right? I mean, I'm sure in your community, borrowing against gold would be a taboo. Uh, people business marriages don't happen in those houses so that level of stigma exists in uh, you know uh, indian communities and you know there is some acceptance in southern india but here also i would say there is a deep rooted stigma around gold loan now the point is that the ironic situation is that you know and this this was uh, one of those moments where i had read the indian household finances rbi report which talked about a beautiful statistics saying that uh, indian household uh, wealth of Indian household, 95% is tied in physical objects, which is gold, real estate, you know, vehicles, consumer durables, and 5% is in dematerialized form of wealth, which is like your fixed deposit, mutual fund. And uh, when India, this is highest in the world, by the way. And the ironic part is that when India goes to borrowing, it has highest amount of unsecured loan at a household level, which is around 57%. So here is a country with sitting with bountiful of physical assets, uh, gold real estate being, you know, uh, appreciating asset classes. And yet we bought, which is highest in the world. And yet we borrow unsecured sources, say highest in the world. So naturally when you are actually discounting future cash flows, you're bound to credit, which is uh, going to be lower in quantum. You're bound to charge higher because you're uncertain about future. And as a whole, as a country, with this paradox, we are trying to grow. So, you know, historically, there has been not a single civilization which has grown on the back of unsecured credit. And we are trying to pull that. So no wonder, you know, every time we hit, a, you know, there is an S-curve in our growth. And every time we hit 
that means he uh, someone unlocks credit into the middle and bottom and then the next level so we have seen microfinance we have seen loan against property consumer durable affordable financing so i think asset backed financing has to happen and this was the big insight now the game is how do you convert that large insight into a small execution idea and you know pick it up and that's where those gold as a starting point no that that's amazing i love how you you know observed what the facts were stating but what the ground reality was you understood the difference and then followed where the reality should go and built the future in that direction i i love that aspect uh, but coming to the practical side of things for this very insight right and you talk about this uh, a lot in terms of you know how to leverage consumer insights and as you grow as well when you're building distribution and releasing more products suits more types of uh, lending and what not uh, you're doing this at scale where you're listening to consumers at scale but what does this look like in the start for a founder who's a chartering uncharted territory right like what was it like what were people telling you what was the on ground response of things and how did you perhaps convince and tell people that okay this is something that will eventually come into the factor you brought in trust and now we we trust rupee with our gold you know which was difficult to imagine maybe 5 years before help us decode that aspect of things sir i think as a uh, as a zero to one idea whether you are at a any valuation any stage doesn't matter you have to be in there you have to talk to consumers you have to see the so initial you know for first 12 months i was at least 9 months i would say i was thoroughly in field almost every day or at the very least every alternate day doing transaction all by ourselves well there were two reasons one capital and second is also to learn Uh, so don't have large operating span, which actually turns out to be boon in early days because that that allows you to stay connected to the customer, to the market realities, to the decision making, and you'll pick a lot of softer aspects. After that, we started. Uh, you know, when when scale started happening, we have we do st- still talk to customer, listen into their calls, enter leadership. However, we also use now research agencies. We have in-house customer insight lab we have multiple teams conducting focus group discussion direct interviews so a lot of these transcripts are translated by you know so the interviews might happen in kannada telugu so very high quality translation is done into english language so that the verbatim essence is not missed and then after this we do hypothesis formation once uh, you know hypothesis are tested through digital or offline means through concept notes or uh, some other means if if it is if something need not be built ground up we might actually go live with the product and do ab testing in different cities geographies pin codes now tech infrastructure move to a scale where uh, we can do these experiments in parallel without actually halting our day to day operations so yeah i mean from a individual to a system led consumer insight is something which we are still embarking upon so <laughs> we'll keep on learning on that no but i love the focus there and i love the structure because i think that's one of the most in depth explanations i've heard of channelizing consumer insights at scale and i love how that is a focus and i think that's a great cue for everyone listening in i, I think further sumit i'd love to quickly double down on this operational aspect right when you talk about being in the field so much of what rupee now also does has a huge operational component to it be it you know going to uh, the folks's place and you know getting uh, the gold loans or securing the digital assets and all of that uh, help us understand what it means to build an operational 
additional layer on top of which you build the technical layer, right? Because I think for Rupik more than anything else, operations is going to be a huge, huge focus. What does that mean as a founder? How do you inculcate that in systems and processes? And how do you build that mindset? Because from afar, it can seem like everything is happening in a technical aspect, right? But I'm guessing that's not the ground reality. So I'd love if you can, you know, share your views there. Sure. I think, uh, look, one of the things is that what you cannot change is customer insight. Second is market insight. So the way we think about is that customers' problems are like God's gospel. You cannot change it, you know. So you have to take that as granted. What you cannot is also market insight, which is that how the demand and supply for a particular aspect can be there, which is, you know, it's like uh, carving in stone you cannot change the demand and supply forces you you can uh, use customer inside demand supply forces and do some of innovation on the fulfillment for example you crack a new distribution channel you could crack new form factor of how customer is going to consume credit a different way to bring loyalty in or a different way to incentivize customers all from a PNL lens standpoint. So the way we think about it is there are three pillars. You have customer insight, which is deeply understanding your customer. Second market insights that where competition is, where alternate, it may not be just gold loan, but we actually, you know, interestingly, most people think that we are competing against gold loan. No, I mean, we in gold loan, our market share uh, among, among the cities we operate in is really high. Although, you know, we are very nascent stage at most cities, but Within gold loan, we are already doing really, really well. But when we look at a customer level, we are actually losing to personal loan. So it's actually the inter-category, which is our competitor and not within category. I mean, sure, within category, we have to stay nimble, agile. But the bigger competition is actually other category altogether. At least for the customer segment, we are attracting. I cannot say this for entire industry, but for rupee customer. So the point is that this customer inside, this market inside, that now I have to study not just gold loan, but personal loan market insights as well. That what is the pricing available? What is the quantum of loan available? Am I am I actually suitable for most customer segment who are disappointed with personal loan category? What are my merits, demerits? So that market insight and all of this gets hammered into PNL, which is that now how do I need to design my operations? How do I need to design my customer acquisition? How can I arrange it so that logically a PNL adds up? Now, for, from this perspective, the point is that operations is something which allows us to not build physical infrastructure. So the cost of spending asset light allows us to operate on thin margin profiles. And this is actually the uh, uh, reason why we chose to get, get into ops intensive business because it, it, it was prohibiting from opening so many brick and mortar stores, which in turn allows us to pass on the cost to end consumer which brings that flywheel and a virtuous cycle where, you know, more cheaper costs, more functional utility, more customers love each other and so on and so forth. Now, in order to do that, the, you know, very fortunate that we have some of the fantastic leaders at Rupik and what these guys did was a combination of human capital and technology is working with each other so that the, you know, Rupik's OPEX cost structure set leftmost on the cost curve, which means that doesn't matter where the price is, where the yield goes, we should be the one making profit at all margin profiles. 
No, that that's wonderful. I think that's a very structured explanation of how to look at an org. But you know, that brings me to my next point, wherein it's interesting you mention it. But I heard one of the Rupik leaders mention that Rupik is not just a asset lending company; it's a company of marketing, software, logistics, supply chain, all built into one. Right. So as a as a founder and CEO, when you see this happening, right, when you're building the ecosystem, not just building the product, not just building the technology, how do you prioritize the right? spectrums and find the right talent to intermingle with each other so that the vision stays on top because from your words it's evident that you're looking at the next 10 years right you're not just looking at one category you're looking at the consumer as a whole you're looking to solve the needs of the consumer how do you keep that vision intact and ensure that the short term execution is also happening i would love any insights that you have there so well, i think what one needs to do is to portray uh, and paint a say 3 or 5 year out audacious picture extremely audacious extremely ambitious that what is that you want to achieve and that 5 year goal will have a implied stage you should be at at a 3 year old uh, goal i mean sure you might you might not hit the goal always at exactly the way but even failure gives you insight and 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 insight is the key to the next level of success so you start with a very audacious goal work at 5 year end then translate that what it means that where you need to be at 3 year end and what it means to be at the 12 month end mark you also look at current situation and current constraint that what is that necessarily you need to do in the next one or two quarters and uh, the jump between next one to two quarter and 12 allows you to fill in the blank for the remaining you know in between time periods and ultimately if there is a conflict then you take a decision that what is reversible irreversible decision so if uh, if your culture is at stake it's a irreversible decision so you might want to actually bite the bullet now whereas if something like a one time monetary hit and you can move on with that you probably want to bite it and you know just keep building business so yeah i mean there is no straightforward answer unfortunately but <laughs> you have to you have to triangulate the long term ambitions and then what it allows you to do is that it might allow you to take some extremely bold calls very early in the journey and i believe leaders sets those game changing bold moves which allows the company to move orbit and uh, change the industry landscape so yeah i mean uh, again success is no guarantee what you can do is plan and introspect and learn from the insights absolutely no i think that's very very wise to mention and my insight there is you know how you mentioned taking the bold bets and setting audacious goals very very early on and i think one pattern i've seen amongst great founders that i've had the fortune of hosting is that it's just this optimism and audaciousness about the goals they set and you're testifying to that entire spectrum so great to hear that i think this line of answering was great sumit i think we covered a bunch of aspects around the founding journey and the macro aspects about rupee i'd love if you can dive deeper into some of the finer aspects therein and into you know the deeper aspects of let's say culture now because a culture has been a constant focus and that's very evident from the continued communication amongst most folks that i have heard in interviews press conferences and things like that by rupee so if you can help us understand as to how does a founder of a company that is scaling and has also you know seen the early journey of building a category how do you shape culture and how does your thought process regarding culture transform as the journey progresses like what's the stage difference and how do you weigh that separately i think that in its entirety will give us a comprehensive overview of what culture entails sure i think uh, look uh, 
if i were to use a proxy culture would be uh, actually operating system which keeps your machine running right you have it's like operating software which is everyone has a different operating software different version different kinds and uh, what happens is that operating software also requires a rejigging every now and then so the point is you know as you create change stage of the business from stage a to b to c your culture that is your operating system needs a revisit every time and i think codifying some of this culture i wish i could have done this sooner where you can talk about basic tenets which are described that these are the things we are not going to negotiate on for example for us uh, it's customer centricity it's bias for action it's fairness and you know so you might want to write them down and it again you know if you want to codify culture i think the best way to do is that to write down the long term vision and the input level driver for that and needs to say if you are saying culture is your operating system or a software you have to put those you know variables into your culture in your operating system which are naturally strengthening it naturally refining it so that your long term input variables are ingrained your in your daily and weekly and quarterly practices so that's how i at least think about it and again as your long term goals keep on changing you might have to keep on tweaking your operating system so that's a very very um, <laughs> you know a proxy approach for how at least i think about culture now from a uh, of course there are certain tenets which will never change which are as we talked about the entity. so th- those are those are like hard coded value system which you have now in terms of the other cultural aspect where how you want to say conduct performance reviews how you want to reward your people how you want to build communication internally how, how openly people can challenge each other and uh, how you have bias for action at firm so all these things are more demonstrated by the leadership and it always flows top down where uh, you have to uh, you you will get bad apples you have to nip them in the bud you have to make sure that you are installing the best practices certain things like you know how you conduct okr how customer insights are translated into strategy strategies translated into okr and how people have a psychologically safe environment so that's extremely important in my view because psychological safety install which is which is a reflection of culture that your appraisals your performance feedback your uh, descent in the system all of these things how you respond to it how you react on top of it actually determines that how the next rung of leader the people who are today junior and going to be senior the way they is got this from the senior leadership are going to exactly reciprocate so i think i think those are the things we take care of and proudly i can say that we have done decent kind of job there of course there on other aspects we we can certainly improve that is very very fascinating to hear sumit i must say because i think that covers most aspects really well especially mm-hmm. the input variables and how you talk about ingraining the processes well within the culture if i can just quickly ask you to give us you know any practical anecdotes in terms of how deliberate a leader has to be within an organization to actually flow culture because it's one thing so if we see culture as the oxygen of an organism when new entrants come into the org how do you ensure that you are being deliberate about practicing and passing it on i think any cues there will be very helpful so i think most important is that you have to create certain thumb rules for example adding more than one or two senior leader per quarter should not be done i firmly believe that it's you know they have their own gravitas they come with their own uh, good thoughts some 
thoughts which might not align with your strategy so shadowing them and asking them to shadow you for the first quarter itself is a very overwhelming task so it takes certain amount of time to get a comfort built on each other understand that what metrics truly you matter and what matters to them and you might not always be correct of course i mean more often than not being a young startup fast growing you will be wrong so you have to hear them up bring them on the same page create that buy in which is required around large strategic decisions so that you know they can reciprocate the same again to their n minus 1 and n minus 2 so in order to the culture gets distorted typically whenever there is new addition at leadership or mid management and rapidly growth and business also change so i think the, that's one point if we do not have the comfort uh, of adding more leaders and you necessarily have to add in a quarter then you know there is going to be uh, then you have to do 80 20 <laughs> i mean there is going to be some change on culture maybe the way you are hiring maybe the way you are promoting then depending upon stage of business or the, what is important at that moment you have to protect that and use your band but typically planning ahead and uh, inculcating the leader and the same culture protection of same culture is is only possible when you spread them out and and uh, really work closely with each other starting from actually you know now there is covid and offices are not fully open but to the extent that maybe you two sit together and uh, you know meet each other informally formally for catching up on business developments meetings so all of these small things make a large difference Absolutely, I think what I'm hearing is pretty much patience is a virtue as opposed to conventional startup wisdom where do things fast and break things. In culture, you can't really break it. You have to be patient about it. So I think I'll take that cue there. Uh, but further, you know, I'd love to focus on marketing as well and building the trust aspect within the consumers because as we conferred in the previous part of the conversation, what you're dealing with in the consumer segment is very sensitive. You can't play around with trust. One move here and there can really spoil the reputation. But uh, focusing on the brand has been a constant focus for Rupik as well, and you've done that magnificently well via multiple initiatives. As the leadership, what is your focus and what is your role in driving enough? traction on that front as well and how do you manage that i i'd love to hear your thoughts there on creating trust with customers i think you know <laughs> that's a that's a still work in progress i would say we have we we are still learning as you can see our latest brand campaign came out about few weeks back and uh, what we've seen is that trust requires a uh, approach where you you first start with a very honest and authentic communication with the customers so we try to do this in lot of places of course uh, we can improve significantly no no doubt about it but what we try and do is first stay honest about our communication in terms of what we are offering what are the terms and condition as much as we can graphical representation you know little bit of small things which typically a financial services firm will not do go and cross that cross that extra mile to create trust and comfort with customers so that transparency is maintained second is the uh, you know again uh, with scale we have to learn how to stay good at this but empathizing customer and going that extra mile where uh, of course at scale processes break and we are also learning and evolving but the focus is always you know to have that functional and emotional utility which is very very of high quality and much better than market standard so that's the north star of redefining the uh, customer value prop on functional and emotional value props apart from it the other trust markers which we have seen is that 
it's it's actually all across all touch points so if you see from the moment you uh, land on the website to the ivrs and and it's very difficult to put a quantitative weight that okay maybe this is a game changing marker or that is there but rather from a negative infinity to positive all these small additions culminate trust and you don't know what are the three things which will work for a, an individual so you have to take the from training your people to putting up your technology or product play or apps or co- marketing collateral all of the, these things uh, and for example you know bif- different people have told us that the only thing which mattered to them is the consistency so the reason they trusted us eventually was nothing to do with that they knew someone who had transacted a rupee or not but just that there was a consistent communication from the first message they got to the last message they received from agent was exactly the same and they thought you know this is something which a which a good brand would do and hence i can trust this brand so yeah i mean it it uh, it is something as i said you know we are still evolving and still learning. but these are the you know some of the tidbits which worked well for us awesome no those are again golden words because i think the focus on the smaller aspects and striving for excellence despite focusing on one thing more or the other thing or trying to guess what the consumer will like as opposed to doing that just like focusing on each thing and striving for excellence then it's turning out to be brilliant so i think that's a great great cue for everyone listening in i think as we wind down the conversation uh, sumit i have another question on you know how you've gone about the finer aspect of rupee in terms of growth uh, which is in terms of you know repeating making those repeatable playbooks and ensuring that they can come into the picture but i want to understand in that in contrast with the process versus innovation debate how much can you put into process versus how much can you innovate if you can help us understand that especially with focus on when you expand geographically when you expand with product suits what do you do and how much do you process orient how much of process orientation is there and how much innovation is there i think that would be wonderful to understand jivraj we are disclaimer we are also learning and evolving at this and quite honestly with scale you know different responsibilities come in terms of policy maker regulator earlier you know we were we were too small in size inconsequential for everyone but now we have to withstand uh, scrutiny 360 degree now and this is after you know couple of wrong iterations we are landing now that look there are actually uh, almost like two different dnas of business and what you cannot do is actually enforce rules of the game from different dna there is a 0 to 1 dna and there is a 1 to 10 dna if you interchange or you know apply the rules of each other they will never scale so it's quite important that the tech infrastructure the culture infrastructure the the resource allocation all are done by one or two member people either at the board level or the board plus uh, management level where almost the you know two companies which differ in the stage of the operations as well as the potential opportunity or chasing if these two are different then it's better actually to host them in different containers almost like you know uh, both are not slowing each other down or creating a challenge for each other and that's what we have done today so a lot of uh, zero to one ideas for us are which are not uh, visible anywhere within rupee as well in the 1 to 10 scale are operating completely like a small team 10 15 member team maximum we would have in zero to one ideas who are operating and these are high quality zero to one ex founders early stage member teams and these guys are you know 
quite honestly they can create companies of their own they fortunately chose to stay and work with us and they operate at a arms length almost to the core business which is at a 1 to 10 of scaling there again as i said in 1 to 10 it's it's a rules of the game are different it is more about efficiency scaling compliance and uh, whereas in 0 to 1 it is more about product market fit validation of insights validation of early product market fit or prototypes so all these things are differently set out for these and the success and failure of these respective businesses are evaluated as per the problem statement given so that's how we think about it and that's very insightful i think what i'm hearing is systems approach right just like dividing these buckets separately so that they can independently function really well and they don't disrupt each other uh, and that's a great insight especially for somebody building at scale and i'm sure that's going to be very useful this was great but you know you mentioned about regulation and this was fascinating to hear because as you build a company there are controllables and there are these uncontrollables there's almost very little you can do about regulatory uh, spectrum right but you can do a lot about what happens at repeat how do you make that trade off as a founder and what goes on and if you have any general rules of advice for let's say how to deal with the non controllables as a founder that would be wonderful to hear you i presume you mean more from a regulatory aspect policy making aspect i think you know uh, one thing which i have appreciated over the year is that india in the near term might be rational but in long run it is very very rational so i mean that that was more you know generic statement but the way i think about it is that there is a letter of the law and then there is a spirit of the law so what we do if letter of the law today doesn't exist about any business model any concept we then try and understand with a regulatory hat that how would a regulator or a policy maker think about you know what do they really care about for example a retail investors money should always be protected kyc has to be done at all times there should not be any systemic risk which might appear so these kind of moves are extremely important and that is what we uh, ensure are available to us and we then validate it with ex regulator ex policy maker so we work with them ex rbi folks who uh, have served in regulatory positions so they can guide us in terms of where we are erring on a gray area or where we have to take a conservative approach and not get in there so all these clarities a internal management thought was principle fortunately we have great set of leaders and b when we go out in the uh, real world and talk to mentors and experts to guide us no that makes that makes complete sense i mean just like having that empathy for what needs to be done and then working with the right set of people to execute it that's what i'm hearing uh, but this was wonderful i think this entire line of thought covers a bunch of aspects around how you've gone about building rupee and that's been a phenomenal journey indeed as we close down the conversation i would love to focus on a couple of personal questions and understand better as to how you have navigated situations uh, the first one there is you know i'm sure the ride was not as rosy as we heard it to be and there were a couple of bumps along the way on a more general level and i'm sure that you've been asked this before but when challenges are you know proposed to a founder who is on the flywheel of just making things happen how do you you know comfort yourself uh, slow down if at all and how do you navigate these obstacles along the way i think that would be wonderful to hear sumit no i think um, everyone needs three set of people i believe uh, one is you need a sounding board people can spend more time with you strategize with you you can ask trivial questions then you need subject matter experts who would give you the guidance about 
so even even on personal front you might have like counselors coaches leadership they might guide you and then third comes the mentor so mentor is someone who has actually crossed the chasm is on the other side has seen scale has built and you use all three resources to navigate navigate any personal channel and and you know knowingly unknowingly we actually do that every one of us has been doing it like you have a friend Uh, who is your sounding board and you can text him on or her on whatsapp then you would have people in family that some uncle who is expert on investment if you want an investment idea or uh, has purchased it and then there are mentors who are say college seniors who have seen scale or someone from ecosystem who has crossed that similar stage of journey and come out successfully and they can tell you what it takes to cross that inflection point so yeah i've been working with all three and i have been very fortunate to get all three you know amazingly well poised in life so yeah working with three one of the ways i think you can tackle situations despite of having a lonely job <laughs> uh no definitely i think just just seeking help is such an important aspect but a very quick uh, you know small aspect of this is just being acceptance of being vulnerable uh, do you think there are any cues because i'm sure that founders have to wear this hat whereas you can't show your vulnerability in public right because that becomes detrimental to if the captain who's running the ship is vulnerable then that just not the best side how do you navigate that as a founder and if you have any cues that that'd be great I, I, you know, so maybe um, as I said, I am blessed to have uh, seasoned leaders around me and uh, very uh, mission-driven people. And uh, actually, I share my fears and I share my, uh, you know, opportunity or whatever I am feeling with them without much worry or without much thinking. And I think it. they are mature enough to read that i cannot i at least believe that if you are working with great set of people they are mature enough to understand and read between the lines right i mean so point in being authentic and sharing what is truly the case and collectively solving and finding a cure is much better yeah i mean sure there are certain issues where you cannot you cannot go to anyone for advice personal or professional but again as i said you know uh that the the some of the things which you lack in this support system makes up from comes from family so i think that that strength which comes from family that strength which comes uh, more than any any solution the emotional support which comes from family actually bridges the gap so i think yeah it, it's yin and yang you need you need to and you need family both absolutely you know that that's i think key staying authentic and just like uh surrounding yourself with the right people which is like the underlying aspect of everything is very very important uh next up uh, sumit like this is one of my favorite questions and i've asked multiple founders on the show this uh, but as you build a company for the first time which is worth you know multi million dollars you're seeing scale now you as a founder have to adapt to so many new situations almost every new day uh, as a founder how has this scaling up journey for you been as the company has grown magnificently it grows at let's say exponentially but founders have to keep up with the pace right deal with newer challenges and be ready at all instances uh, if you have any learnings to share as to how you have been able to adapt with newer situations almost at each given step and point in time that would be great to hear well that's a good one and that's a thought provoking one so uh, yeah typically what i do is i try to introspect about the what it would take to succeed in the new landscape you know first write down the rules and try and understand 
and uh, i firmly believe on capitalizing on my strengths and actually surrounding with people uh, myself with people with uh, the complementary skill set i do not try and carry the burden of learning everything myself at all in fact you know if you see our meetings i'm uh, i'm the black sheep there but but what it does is that you if you play on your strengths and especially after age you are too young to you know today today worry about all of this but beyond a certain age uh, you, you are better off actually capitalizing on your strengths and rather than learning on newer opportunities necessarily because ultimately it's a team work and a team game if you can present the scenario where you are putting off your best strength and just amplifying and working on your strength and making it stronger then then things should add up however the even in the strength areas you have to change the gear and you know attain to new level i guess the what has worked personally well for me is actually going and talking to mentors and experts who have crossed that stage people like uh, ex founders of successful large companies people who have uh, cxos or heads of different businesses who have crossed that chasm and crossed that stage uh, understanding how to navigate things operationally and what it takes is very very good and you i i have bunch of mentors like who who have who have given me a lot of knowledge from sector to personal growth so a lot of credit goes to them to you know help me cross this stage hopefully i i'll be able to do this with scale again <laughs> no absolutely i don't doubt that one bit but again that's very thoughtful again just talks about you know just ensuring how you can just surround yourself with the right people and be open to playing to your strengths learning along the way and just uh, following as the pathway goes so so that's my cue uh further i think for the second last question sumit uh, this is interesting in terms of time management but not in the conventional sense of it and how it has evolved perhaps because i'm guessing that as an early stage founder there's so much execution 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 but as you mature and grow the company there's so much uh, thought strategy long term thinking that comes into the picture right so if you can break it down for us as to how your time has evolved over the uh, years perhaps and how do you perhaps spend now your time how much time do you you know spend with yourself introspecting meetings execution what not administration overload and i'm sure there's a barrage of things so i'll let you tell us how you spend it again here i have learned from you know some of the best set of leaders in the industry Uh, Sai Kiran Krishnamurthy, he's from X to Ten X. I I had taken a course with them. You know, this was a you know few companies were were sort of taken through a I think a six month long roundtable program, which was which was more focusing on some of the grounds up aspects. So there was a lot of a uh, peer learning. We had great set of founders. Uh, we had great set of speakers coming in and you know uh, talking about subject matter expertise from tech blueprint to. uh product scaling and and all these aspects were all these aspects were sort of uh, changing of orbit for us so from doing all yourself all by yourself from being a accountant to fundraiser to a customer i literally have customer service agent card i have a management card i have a founder card and you know all visiting cards are still with me so you playing that role to the role where uh, you know and and i guess everyone goes through inflection where you realize that you are working really hard but output is not coming because you don't have the right team structure with you and once that team starts getting built and the right leaders come in then you start appreciating that what you were missing so it all boils down you can only be as effective as your team allows you to be so 
if you by definition schedule for 100% of your time to be free you might be ending up with a 30 to 40% of your time being free for thinking and you know getting to the orbit so a lot goes into this that what kind of operating span you are trying to build in your leadership if uh, and you i mean there will be always new surprises from the market right but if you have high quality uh, leadership this will allow you to and engineer for a, a 100% of your time being free on paper you will end up with like a 30 40% free time and that actually makes and break the entire decision because i think macro decisions have so much power in them than micro execution that right macro call can any day outperform a, a you know sub, subpar or above subpar macro call can outperform a great micro execution i hope that makes some sense <laughs> as it does and i'm sure that's going to be a wonderful learning pearls for everyone listening in because i certainly hear that so much of it is just preparing for the future having that constant eye there especially if you found that fit right as they call it product market fit if you found then you have to think about the long term and i'm hearing so much of that and it's great that you do it and the execution is actually like a testament to all of your principles so kudos to you on that um for the final question sumit and this has been absolutely incredible i i think i'd love to end on a rather stereotypical yet non philosophical note where i'd love to understand that all of this execution the founder spectrum the building the team management uh, scaling the team consumer satisfaction what does all of this compound to for you and what's the larger qualitative motivation for you as a founder if you can end on that note i think that would be spectacular sure no i think look prime of our life uh, if we are dedicating to something it better be uh, you know something which is worth chasing right and and in my mind if we can build an institution which add some bit to the building of this nation and uh, society at large then there is no bigger joy i mean if if we can be a small contributor to nation building activity uh, i would happily take that as a time well spent during the prime of your life so yeah that's the that's the joy of building an institution which can hopefully uh, add to the greater economic good that that's great i think concise and wonderful dream stores the belief as to what entrepreneurs do and the magic they end up creating over time and i'm sure everyone listening in can get empowered having listened to that thank you so much sumit for your time i think i certainly have enjoyed a lot and learned very well from the shorter bits of wisdom for the finer things and how you've built it on a macro level rupik is certainly a great organization and we're all rooting for the success of it thank you so much sumit No, thank you jivraj thank you so much for inviting and i must say you are super generous with words very kind uh, as i said we are learning happy to happy to you know stay in touch and uh, stay connected thanks incredible with that we come to the end of the 78th episode of the indian silicon valley podcast with sumit manyar of rupik thank you so much for tuning in to the episode I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you're finding value with the podcast, do follow it on the audio streaming platform of your choice, drop in a review or subscribe to our WhatsApp newsletter to get all the updates directly on your inbox. Thanks again. I will see you next week for another episode. 
Till then, I hope you recall. If you never try, you'll never know. Stay tuned and keep building.